More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Tuesday edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. We've got a lot to talk to you about today, so appreciate you being here with us. Lines are open, 800-282-2882. As you know, we are on the uh, on the eve here of a uh, debate, the precipice of a debate tomorrow. We'll... Tell you how things are looking as we get closer to that. Um, looks like Donald Trump will also not be on that stage. Not a surprise at all, I might add. I think this is exactly what we had thought would be the case up to this point. Uh, we also had a, a Clay did a sit down with Stephen A. Smith. We're going to be releasing that one. Might even play some preview clips for all of you about that. They talked about woke culture. I think that's certainly something that we should uh spend some time on today, have a discussion about today. Um we have Israel closing in on the last major pocket of Hamas resistance in Gaza. Uh certainly moving along there as as anticipated the Israeli defense forces are uh sweeping up the uh terrorist entity and We've got some other things we want to get to as well here, but I, I did want to start out here, Clay, because we had we had touched on this a bit yesterday. It, it is still, I think, shocking to some people that there is as much anti-Semitism out there after a terror attack. I mean, this would be very much like extreme anti-Americanism after 9-11, but in this case, it's it, it's even more heinous in the sense that it goes against people's people's identity, right? I mean, it's not just about a nationality. It's about an identity here. It goes against the Jewish people as as individuals. And this has been, I think, a wake-up call on, well, for anybody who's capable of seeing reality for what it is, a wake-up call about how much there is this anti-Semitism uh, on the left, how acceptable it has become in some precincts of the left. And here is, this was 
Philadelphia. This is recently uh, a group of protesters outside of a Jewish-owned restaurant in Philly. Wanted you to hear what this chant was. Play six. I mean, Clay, there are a couple of things here. One is, and we, there's lots of this going on. This is happening on college campuses across the country. People are, there's all these videos. This is ongoing. It's going on for, for months now, right? The October 7th attack. It's been two months of this, uh, out on the streets. Yes, there's been a lot of solidarity as well among Americans with the Jewish people and with the state of Israel. Yes, there are people who see this with the moral clarity that Anybody who understands any basic morality should, but I think Clay, it's been surprising for a lot of people to see how uh, virulent and how widespread this anti-Semitism is. And I mean, two things on this: one is there's a degree of gathering outside of a Jewish-owned restaurant is clearly meant to be intimidating, and to charge someone with genocide not only is it insane, but to me, it's it's an incitement, right? I mean, to say that someone is is somehow uh, has a hand in genocide, well, you can use force to stop genocide, right? You're justified basically in doing anything to stop a genocide. I this I'm not an expert in in restaurant or culture cuisine anything like that. My understanding is this is a very popular restaurant in the Philadelphia area, run by a Jewish guy. And the Palestinian protesters specifically walked to and stood outside and chanted at his at his restaurant. And my biggest takeaway from this is this is happening all over the country. And we heard and Joe Biden based his entire political campaign on the idea that Charlottesville could not be allowed to happen that it somehow attacked the soul of the United States and what happened in Charlottesville, Virginia, as there was a dueling protest surrounding the Robert E. Lee uh, statue there, which the Washington Post now covers the meltdown of, right, which is super creepy and strange and odd that that was allowed to occur. But Biden based his entire political resurrection in many ways, his entire campaign for 2020, my goodness, Charlottesville happened. I have to run. Joe Biden's been in office for three years now, and there are Charlottesville, Virginias happening all over the country. And instead of being led by right-wing individuals, they are overwhelmingly the province of the left. And by and large, Biden is saying nothing. And so, Buck, if you based the entire premise of your uh, uh, reason for running on restoring the soul of America, and Charlottesville in particular you found to be so nasty and so unacceptable that you felt compelled to come off the bench and run for president of the United States. What possible statement would you be making, if that was truly your motivation, when you are seeing America torn asunder in many ways over this uh, this Israeli-Palestine discord, and it's all coming from the left? Because, Buck, have you heard anyone on the right protesting Israel? 
I haven't I haven't seen a single person who votes Republican or is on the right side of the political equation. I haven't even heard anything. It's all left wing uh, attacks upon Israel. And for the most part, Joe Biden's completely silent because it's actually his base that's anti-Semitic. You know, the left has been encouraging uh, viewing everything through a, a racial lens, as we have discussed, um, such that. Once you've made that determination about who is the who is the racially oppressed group, nothing else is allowed to factor in. Nothing else is allowed to matter. The left treats that as the single most important determinant of who is in the right and who is in the wrong. And this has resulted in some really morally obscene uh, positions being taken on the left. I mean, first of all, this guy this was on Sunday. So it was a couple of days ago that this protest gathered outside of it's a falafel restaurant. And, uh, they, it's a, it's a guy who, guy who owns it is Jewish. So they were chanting, Goldie, Goldie, you can't hide. Uh, we charge you with, just in case you couldn't hear the audio, we charge you with genocide. And I, uh, and, and you sit here and you say to yourself, what, what is the message? The people that are gathering outside of a Jewish owned restaurant in a mob and are chanting, we charge you with genocide. That's meant to intimidate, right? There, there's, yes. there's not, there's nothing. They're not standing up for the rights of anyone. They're not convincing anyone of the righteousness of their position or that we need to approach this with more nuance. And on that point of nuance or context, um, the left has a real problem right now. And when I say the left, the Democrats and the Biden administration, they've got a real problem right now because they've had members of Congress in the Democrat Party, never mind just the media and some of the you know, lunatics we see on college campuses who in response to clear evidence that it wasn't just incidents of violent rape of Israeli women and Israeli men that Hamas conducted on October 7th. Clay, it was a policy of Hamas. It was part of the plan. And there's just nothing more evil than what Hamas did on October 7th. But when we talk about the sexual assault issue specifically, all of a sudden you have people talking about not overly condemning one side, demands for context, and even Clay saying things like, here, here's a, uh, uh, on, this is a former Bernie Sanders spokesman, Brianna Joy Gray. She now hosts, uh, Rising, which is actually a show that, believe it or not, I was hosting years ago with, uh, Crystal Ball. And she tweeted this out. Zionists are asking that we believe the uncorroborated eyewitness account of men who describe alleged rape victims in odd fetishistic terms. Shame on Israel, she writes, for not seriously investigating claims of rape and collecting rape kits. I mean, there's so much here that is completely vile and insane. So we're to disregard the eyewitness accounts of men, Israeli men, who saw Israeli women being raped because we can only believe women? Some of the women were murdered, Clay, after being raped. Uh, There's so much, like, moral rot and such vile and, uh, and, and honestly, psychopathic, um, sentiment that comes to the front when you're talking about this issue on the left. That I, I don't know, I don't know how we're going to be able to look at this the same way ever again. Like the American left is even more disgusting than many people had known.
Well, it, what it does is it points out that Me Too really only means Me Too when the people who are accused of impropriety are convenient targets. Me Too when it's Brett Kavanaugh. Me Too when it's Harvey Weinstein. People who are seen as white and wealthy and privileged and, as the, as the, as and the I think it's important to note one of those individuals is entirely innocent and the other is obviously very, very guilty. Correct. But the reason why they are targeted, look, I mean, Joe Biden was credibly accused of sexual assault by an employee. It's, it's far against more white detailed. males. This, yes. this is a weapon against the white male patriarchy. Full stop. That, that's what Me Too became and that is how it has been weaponized. It's, it's so, you know, and, and very selectively, even among the white male patriarchy, right? Because, you know, no, Donald I'm saying Trump, Joe Biden, you know, if you're, if you've got the right politics, they will even protect you from yeah. the Me Too movement, as, as we saw happen with Joe Biden. Now, if you are Jewish, you either, uh, and, and allege that you were raped. I mean, we know that 1200 plus were murdered, many of which were innocent women and children. So you're arguing that, we know the murders happened, but the rapes were unlikely to have happened and that they're exaggerated. I mean, this, this is like what we saw. Remember we had the woman on who talked about the babies, uh, being beheaded and the fact that all these kids were killed and, uh, people said, well, they weren't beheaded. And you're like, well, some were, but you know, the total number of people that were beheaded is, is, is not really the story. I mean, death is awful. The fact that you're killing women and babies and arguing that, the way that you killed them was somehow humane is you're on the wrong side. If you're, if you're nitpicking the way in which people were murdered. And, and you also, I think have to approach this with, with the, this is very obvious to anyone who has moral clarity, who has judgment and wisdom. Hamas has no integrity uh, and no decency to protect. So they lie about things all the time and no one cares because no one expects Hamas to not lie. That tells you a lot, doesn't it? If yeah. the Israelis, if the IDF, if they were caught in a true lie about any of this, there would be this massive outcry and their credibility would be damaged, but they have credibility to protect and they are more, therefore, more credible. Hamas has no credibility to protect. Hamas has no standards of conduct or of truth that it upholds. Hamas is evil. This is actually quite straightforward. You know, when all these people get in my comments and they say, oh, but you know, what about Hamas and what about the Palestinians? And oh, you just, you're like a warmonger. I don't care what they say because they are morons. Because this could not be more clear. It could not be more obvious what is right here and what is wrong in terms of the sides involved, Israeli action and the Israel. I mean, I don't even think like, it's not even that Israel has a right to choose to go after Hamas in the way that it does. Uh, I think Israel has an absolute moral obligation to go after these individuals in Hamas the way that it is. It would be wrong for Israel to not do this. A hundred percent. And you can't both sides terror. (laughs) The terrorist is on the wrong side. What happens to the terrorist after that is not necessarily uh, morally equivalent in any way. I'm sorry for the American left that in this case, the people that they think of as representing those who are non-white are the bad guys, but they are the bad guys. They can try to contextualize Hamas. Yes, they are Arab Muslims. They are non-white. 
They are, in fact, the bad guys, despite what the American left likes to believe, that the only people who are capable of systemic evil are, are white. That is actually not true. It is not true now. It has not been true throughout history. And the left is getting a lesson in reality about all of this right now. All right, we'll take your calls on this, 800-282-2882. And, you know, it's holiday season, and you're going to be buying a lot of stuff. I'm buying a lot of stuff. I just actually... Um, bought some things today, you know, setting up gifts. Get on those gifts early. But one of the problems you have is you're going to be visiting a lot of sites. You're going to be getting emails about deals. There are so many scams online right now. Cyber thieves are everywhere. You're going to be getting text messages, too, saying, oh, just click this, and you'll get some special deal. Yeah, the deal is they steal your info. And then you've got to worry about identity theft. They take out loans or credit cards in your name. It's a nightmare. You need LifeLock to protect your identity online. Their systems monitor online transactions in the billions every week looking for evidence of fraud. I've had LifeLock now for, gosh, five, six years, and it has saved me many times. You want to have LifeLock going on in the background. It's easy to help protect yourself with LifeLock. Join now and save 25% off your first year with promo code BUCK. Call 1-800-LIFELOCK or go to LifeLock.com and use promo code BUCK for 25% off. Making sense in an insane world. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Uh, we were just talking about suddenly the failure to condemn uh, rape from the people who had been so active on uh, in, in the larger universe saying, um, believe all women became, don't believe the confessions of rapists if their victims are Jews. This is Batya Unger Sargon, I think. Cut three. Listen. I want to make sure your audience understands what we just witnessed with Pramila Jayapal's interview, because it is part of a, it's a microcosm of something much, much larger, which is this, Leland. The same people who for six years have told us that every man who flirts with a co-worker should be chased out of public life. The same people who replaced due process with believe all women. These same people and organizations, when presented with evidence of the mass rape of Israeli women, suddenly turned around and said, we need more context. We need more evidence. Who's to say? They took their standard of believe all women and flipped it on a dime to don't even believe the men who are bragging about mass rapes the minute the victims were Jews. It's 100% That's really true. well said. She's, she's really well said. You know, it's it's a it's a horrific issue, um, and it's one that when you hear someone speaking the truth, you really it's hard not to be angry at the people who spend their time trying to soft pedal this in some way or trying to contextualize this. It was the policy of the Hamas barbarians to rape women during their terror attack and to murder babies up close and personal in the worst possible ways. And they apparently raped uh, men as well, just as an additional detail. Um, and, and people on the left are saying, well, we can't know this for sure. I guess we, I guess if you weren't there and even if you're there, they won't believe you because they're just claiming that this could be propaganda. But, um, this is the destruction of even the most obvious morality. It's also why you have to consider all the facts, no matter who the, uh, who's alleging anything instead of just believing any one group or any one, uh, group against them. Why Lady Justice is blind, I've been saying for years. Pure Talk has you covered this holiday season with a gift for yourself. Free Moto G 5G phone. Not looking for your trade-in. No gotcha in the deal. If your cell phone needs upgrading, now's the time. Just sign up for Pure Talk's unlimited talk, text, 15 gig data plan. Just 35 bucks. Get the Moto G 5G phone for free. As good as the Moto G 5G phone is. Pure Talk service top notch. My own 15 year old has Pure Talk service. It's been fabulous for him. You can get hooked up, save your family a bundle in the process. Just dial pound 250, say the keywords Clay and Buck to speak with Pure Talk's U.S. customer service team. They make switching easy. Make sure to get you your new phone. Remember, Pure Talk gives you America's most dependable 5G network. Dial pound 250 today. Say Clay and Buck, Pure Talk, simply smarter wireless. Welcome back here to Clay and Buck. You know, the uh, campus... Situation with anti-Semitism and these uh, pro-Palestinian, uh, pro-Hamas gatherings, demonstrations that we've seen, all this stuff uh, has been uh, something of, of a wake-up call, I think. And here you even have some schools that are encouraging. And, and just think about what some of the historical associations and context here that is brought up by this uh, may be. Here is a University of Pennsylvania student. It's actually where my older brother uh, went to school. 
and he his name is Eyal Yacobi, and he says that the university is telling students not to wear outward symbols of their Judaism so they can avoid harassment. This is cut eight. Play. Pen's ambivalence fuels a crisis that has shattered my academic sanctuary. Policies meant to safeguard us have become hollow promises. And let us be clear, if they fail Jewish students today, tomorrow they will fail the rest of us. Nonetheless, I refuse to go back to 1939 when Jews had to hide their religious symbols and hide who they are due to the intimidation and harassment of us. I used to think this was nonsense, fear-mongering, until I was made aware that Penn recommended to students, quote, not wear clothing slash accessories related to Judaism. Luckily, there are policies in place to protect students from the heinous acts I described. Unluckily, the university seems to have no interest in upholding those very policies. Clay, don't show your Judaism on campus at Ivy League University of Pennsylvania because you don't want to be harassed and maybe violently assaulted? I, I You know... This is showing a lot of people who maybe weren't aware before or didn't care enough to do anything about it before how morally corrupt and rotten the college campus is. And these are elite schools, not that it matters, but just how, how obtuse they've become, how, how insane these places are now in their politics. And, and I keep saying this, it, it's really more about, and you see this from the associations with BLM, it's more about the Jews as white than it is yeah. the Jews as a religious sect on campus here. It's different in the Middle East, different in Israel, obviously. But here on campus, it's Jews are white, therefore they are the oppressor. That is how the left views it. Here's what's happened. You and I are around the same age, Buck. And a lot of people out there, I think, who are listening to us right now will understand this. You and I were not alive during the civil rights movement. We were not alive even in basically the 1970s in the fallout from the civil rights movement. We were raised in the 1980s and 1990s, early 2000s. And the entire mindset as a culture, and I'm synthesizing, but I think most of you out there will nod along as you think about it. The entire mindset of the 1980s and 1990s and the early 2000s were that most of us had far more in common, white, black, Asian, Hispanic, gay, straight, all of that, than we did uncommon. That there was more that united us than divided us. This was the entire concept under which we spent much of our youth. And then, starting in around the 2010s, and I think it coincided directly with the rise of social media, we started to have a new vanguard, what I would call the woke culture movement, and that entire basis of its existence was, and and the white men are evil, white men uh, did everything that's wrong, and there needs to be some sort of payback and and recognition of the evilness of the white male influence in our society. And some people will say, oh, Donald Trump, sort of epitomized that he helped to create it. I don't think so. I think he was the perfect boogeyman, a rich white man of older age who in some way is a stand-in for everything evil that this oppression pyramid had created. 
And our universities took this and ran with it. We went from, let's treat everybody equally, regardless of their background. We all have a lot more in common than we do different, to white men are evil, and our worldview needs to move through the prism of white men need to be held responsible. And it's me too, and it's the whole idea of colonizer and colonized. It's the entire fabric of the left, and really the culture in general, shifted. And it became acceptable to say white men are evil. And white women sometimes get bunched in. And by the way, this is not something that is created only by minorities. Huge percentages of white people are the vanguard of the woke universe. I'm not sure there's ever been a situation in world history, I'd be fascinated by it, when a racial group has decided that much of its racial group is awful. Right? The number of white people that take great pleasure in talking about how much they hate white people. I, I can't remember ever having seen it before. And what you're seeing is, even in the Israel-Hamas situation, Israelis are seen as white, and therefore they can't be the victims, even though they're 100% the victims. That conflict is what's creating this huge conflagration. And I think it's also worth noting, because people, they, they hide behind... Whether it's on campus or in the media, they hide behind these platitudes about, oh, well, it's just about, you know, give peace a chance or there needs to be negotiation or what about all the Palestinian children who are going to die in these airstrikes or have died in these airstrikes and, and the, you know, the old people die in these airstrikes as well. Um, to which I, I always just want to respond. What is Israel supposed to do exactly? What do they really, yeah. because the demand that Israel not take the actions that it has been taking for weeks now, uh, is the demand that Israel just suffer an attack like it did and always have the possibility of another attack looming out there. They have Hamas people saying that more is coming. So this isn't like, oh, wait, we'll never do that again. They want to do more. And that is a deeply immoral thing. I mean, it, it is people who are saying, oh, you know, you have to suffer from these kinds of attacks in perpetuity because we've decided that there is some uh, historical balancing that has to occur. There's some contextualization um, that has to occur because of the Zionist entities past in the region or, or whatever. Um, it is just pure anti-Semitism. It is anti uh anti white in the context of America and some of the western countries uh left wing factions approach to it and uh, the the good news is i think the israelis understand this and are united um in this and in united in how to deal with this and they're seeing this through they're going to create a buffer it's actually clay exactly what i said right after the attack when israel was going to um when israel was going to get ready for its military offensive they're going to create a buffer zone so that it makes it more difficult for this kind of mass casualty attack to be launched in a surprise fashion against Israel. So effectively a DMZ of sorts. It's going to be like North Korea, South Korea, but they're going to extend this out to miles and miles. Um, and I think that under the circumstances, that's entirely justified. And this notion that there's some international community or international law that is supposed to restrain what Israel is doing in this case, based on what? Where does that derive its morality from? Um, I... I Honestly, I have, I have a, as, about as, as, uh, low an opinion of the American left as I think anybody who's familiar with it can have. And even, even I have to just find myself, you know, holding back, uh, the vomit when I see some of what is said and some of what has been done in response to this attack by people who, 
you would we would hope would know better, but I guess they don't. I guess they don't. They truly are brainwashed. I think social media makes it worse too. Um, because again, and, and I do think it's worth really emphasizing, Twitter is basically Portland. I mean, if you think about the, the mindset of what America would look like if Portland, Oregon, thank God they're not, was in charge of every American policy, the Twitter universe is basically, uh, Portland, Oregon's brain writ large. I mean, and it is the, the mind virus. I think that's accurate way to describe it as Elon Musk has said, the woke mind virus. Um, but that gives these politicians, I think, a misguided sense of what reality is. Now, one positive coming out of this, a lot of the squad and also a lot of the people who have attacked Israel are now getting primaried by Democrats. And I think, you know, Jamal Bowman, for instance, he of pulling the uh, fire alarm. I think a lot of these guys and gals are going to get whipped in 2024 by other Democrats because they're not even representing their own districts. There's a lot of Jewish people looking around being like, hey, who even has got our back these days? And and I think it's very valid and why I think there's going to be significant change in the Jewish vote in 2024. I really do. We'll get to some of your calls here coming up. But, you know, this weekend I'm going to be out at the range going out with my brothers, uh, test out some of our new gear. We're going to be doing some two-gun drills, shooting steel. It's going to be a great day. But uh, I want to make sure that I get the most I can from that range time because we had to book this weeks in advance. It's tough to get out there. It's expensive to get out there. Ammo is expensive. So guess what I'm doing all week? Training with my Mantis X system. I've got the Mantis X here at home. It's actually here with me in studio. And what Mantis X is is a firearms training system. That's no ammo. It's all electronic. So you can be at home. Make sure you're in a safe place to do this. But you can be at home, and you just attach this to your firearm like a weapon light, and then it helps you with drills and takes you through technique courses so that you're getting better at the basics of shooting without actually having to be at the range. helps you with trigger pull, sight alignment, the things that you really need to focus in on, and it makes you better. And when you get out there at the range and you're actually putting targets down range, I'm putting uh, rounds down range, you're going to see for yourself how much it helps. And it just makes the whole experience more fun. It makes you a better shot, too, which is important. Mantis X. If you believe in your Second Amendment rights, you also believe in knowing how to use your firearm effectively, properly, and safely. Mantis X helps you with all of that. Go to MantisX.com. Start improving your shooting accuracy today at home or wherever you want without using ammo. MantisX.com, M-A-N-T-I-S-X.com. Subscribe to CNB 24-7 and never miss a minute of Clay and Buck while getting behind-the-scene access to special content for members only. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality 
podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. It, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. Buck, we'll get into this a little bit more, but we were just talking off air. There's a new Harvard-Harris poll out, and again, I understand everybody's reticence on polling, but Trump has now opened a six-point lead on Joe Biden in the Harvard-Harris poll. Six-point lead. That's outside the margin of error. I don't think there is anyone out there right now who could argue, based on the totality of all the polling, that if the election were being held, let's say, next week, Trump would be in a very favorable place to win. Now, he's not the nominee yet. I understand that a lot of you out there, DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Vivek Ramaswamy, the debate is tomorrow. And the election but is not next week. The election is 11 months away. But right now he has opened up a big lead. And you, uh I, I just keep looking at it and saying, okay, every week that goes by that nothing changes is... Right now, very good for Trump and or the Republican Party. But we're also talking about off-air. We have talked a great deal. It's less than six weeks now until the first voters get to go have their voices heard January 15th in Iowa. And then shortly after that, we'll have the primary in New Hampshire. Both of those will happen before the end of January. So that is very soon, particularly when you consider how super busy everybody's going to be for the holiday season Christmas, New Year's, boom, you're basically right into the voting started when you come out of your New Year's holiday when you get sober. Um, so, they're putting a lot, Buck, on, in theory, this trial starts March 4th in Washington, D.C. in Judge Chutkin's courtroom, and I know we talk a lot about Iowa, and I know we talk a lot about New Hampshire, but my goodness, when we come back after the first of New Year, when all of you are going back into your offices, back to work full time, it's going to be two months until that trial starts. And I just keep looking at it and saying, are they really going to be starting that trial on March 4th? It seems like it's getting here awfully, awfully fast. And 
I I tend to be of the opinion that it's not going to change things a lot. But you're you're just what what is your thesis here as you look at all these numbers and look at everything else? My gut instinct uh, is that first of all, I'm I'm more confident than ever that Biden is actually going to be the going to be the nominee and Biden Harris, right? Whatever that whatever that means, um, because I do think that there's the the also the possibility that Joe Biden not in a planned way has a health issue before the election because he's so old and and he is fading right and that's why we have a vice president that this is a reason that this is the constitutionally mandated structure that we have right um but clay on the point about where we are in the polls and how everything looks so good um the the biggest thing for me is it's it's just so far away it's so far away that it that you know, you, it's really hard to, um, extrapolate, I think, accurately any of the major trends that will be affecting the election right now based on our conversations. I mean, for example, I don't believe that the Hunter Biden stuff is going to move the needle at all. I'm just telling, I, I don't think that that's going to, I think it might have in 2020 because of the pitch that, that he was the, you know, squeaky clean Joe Biden. You can count on good old Joe, but now I think it's a little bit baked into the cake. I don't think this is just my perceptions. People can agree, disagree. I do tend to be right all the time, but that's okay. People can agree or disagree. It's fine. <laughs> you, you got um, married. You got to, you got to, you got to abandon me. I tend to be I, right all the time. No, but I can only say it here, Clay. As soon <laughs> okay, as I leave okay. this radio studio, that's, that's fair. Yeah. Those words will never end. Those yes. words will never leave my, my mouth again. Um, as you know, I'm trying to make sure that I learn all these things as I go. <laughs> anyway, um, the, uh, it, but what you're out bringing up, we saw, People are looking at all the polling, and the polling looks great for Trump and the Republicans right now. But we also saw polling that was extremely clear in what it told us. Clear in what it told us, which was that if Donald Trump is convicted of a felony in any of these trials, it would swing all the swing states against him. I don't believe that. But I worry that it's wishful thinking on my part. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I don't it. think that will happen. But I'm, you know, now this is a bit of confirmation bias, right? I'm not, I'm pulling a Fauci. I'm ignoring data because I don't want to see the data. The data on that for us is not good. And I think that may be what Democrats are hanging their hat on at this point. What I keep coming back to is the polls have always shown Trump's support lower than it actually is. 2016, we certainly saw it. 2020, we certainly saw it. I mean, 2020 was supposed to be a landslide for Joe Biden based on the polls. The polls have never overestimated uh, Donald Trump's support. In fact, they've never accurately reflected Donald Trump's support. So when I see that he's now up six, outside the margin of error, in a Harvard-Harris messenger poll, this is not some poll that is, you know, MAGA Inc. ran. This is objectively a poll that's supposed to be an accurate representation of the country and has historically undervalued Donald Trump. Are they now overvaluing him? That seems kind of hard for me to, uh, to, to, to contemplate. Couple of things when we come back here in the, in the next hour, Buck. Um, Liz Cheney, we've got audio of Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney is legitimately out there arguing right now. Now she's got a book to sell. But she's saying that if Trump wins in 2024, there will never be another election in this country. I mean, has she truly gone insane or not? We'll let you hear and decide for yourself next. 
More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.